The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067. Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7. Auburn Opelika, sports leader. Happy Monday, everybody. Hope you're doing well. Hope you all had a fantastic weekend. It's another beautiful, hot, sunny day here in Auburn and Opelika. This is On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. He is Carter Bird. I'm Jacob Goins with you for the next two hours right here on ESPN 106.7. Auburn Opelika, sports leader. Well, uh, Carter, happy Monday. How was, your, uh, how was your trip this weekend? A very quick trip, though. Yeah, no, it was good. Well, it it, I got so turned around because I was like all day third or all day Friday. My brain was thinking it was Saturday, Saturday, and like yep. driving to the airport. Like I was thinking about the weekend, and I was like, "Oh yeah, it's it's Thursday." <laughs> yeah, because you were obviously you were not here on Friday. You uh, were were able to get the day off and, and travel for that day. Uh, my my days were all thrown off too. Being in Nashville Monday through Thursday, and then coming back, getting back about eleven thirty Thursday night, and then you not being here on Friday really just threw everything off. I mean, it was a weird week last week for, yeah. for this show. It certainly was. <laughs> um, and you know, I mean, if you want if you want to ask me about uh, any facts about Thomas Jefferson, I did the the extensive uh behind the scenes tour of Monticello. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So that you're house a, is crazy. So you're a Thomas Jefferson uh, uh savant my, my, now. My dad is a is a my dad comes from a uh big history buff family. Got you. And he loves going to museums. Like we'll we'll go to random places and he'll walk in like an art museum in like a random town and I'm like, hey, I wanna go hang out and do stuff and he's <laughs> yeah. like hang on i'm looking at this eagle statue is your dad like my dad where every time they walk into a museum and there's a plaque or something to read they have to stand there and read the entire thing before they move on to the next one kind of yeah oh that makes oh man we went my, skiing one time <laughs> in like in like beaver creek and my dad bought this because of you know he's a, also a massive auburn person uh this giant carved bald eagle <laughs> this wooden carved body. I'm sure it wasn't at a, cheap at a, at a at a art museum thing or That's like art cool, shop. Though. And I can't remember if it's if it's in his little like game day condo here or yeah. if it's somewhere in the house in Birmingham. But it's okay. It's somewhere. That's just who he is. But yeah, we did the. We did like the five hour tour of Monticello on five Saturday. hours. Yeah, we got there at like one. and We left at like six. I didn't think it would take that long. Well, well, it's behind the scenes tour, man. You you, you got to hit all the all the different levels I mean, that's and fair. all the secret rooms and and uh, did they serve that, you dinner when you were there? <laughs> no, no, that's a long time. They they do brew a uh, a a beer, I okay. guess at Monticello because it's yeah okay. So all got right. to try that. Sweet. Okay. Didn't didn't try their their ice cream that they make there, but it's all good. I bet that was pretty good too. 
Yeah. No, it was it was fun. It well, was, good. It was cool. Good. Glad you had a good trip. Uh, glad you're back. Glad everybody is uh, seems to be back to normal here on a Monday afternoon. Everybody back from from Nashville and wherever else we're going. Um, we're closer and closer to football season. We're 40 days away from kickoff, man. We are 40 days away from Auburn football kicking off in 2023. Even sooner than that for college football, SEC football. Uh, so excited uh, for that. We'll recap. Here's what's coming up today we'll recap what was a busy week last week at sec media days kind of move forward into uh, what to expect over this week and over the next few weeks it's a very very busy show today and all week long here on espn 106.7 so we'll recap our time in nashville talk about a couple of commitments that are coming up this week uh, for auburn and and hopefully uh, some flips for auburn and some additions to the upcoming recruiting classes we have big cat weekend coming up this weekend so definitely want to talk about that today and this week as well i want to get carter's thoughts on the preseason media poll from the sec uh, talking about auburn having five auburn tigers making the all sec team so we'll talk about that today Plus, it's Monday, so that means we will give you the best and worst from the weekend. I have multiple uh, that we could talk about today. Then Jacob Hillman of the Albert Sports Network will join us at 3.30, as he always does. So, should be a great show today. Uh, phone lines are open. I know we didn't get a chance to uh, to take a ton of phone calls last week, but we are taking them this week and, and, and from here on out because with, with media days going on last week, we had a bunch of interviews and guests and stuff, so it was harder to, uh, to take your phone calls. But phone lines are open on a Monday afternoon, 334-321-1390. That's 334-321-1390. You can call in. How are you feeling 40 days away from the start of Auburn football? What did you think of SEC Media Days last week? Uh, how are you feeling going into this week with some of some big commitments coming up for Auburn and Big Cat Weekend? So we want to hear what's on your mind as well, 334-321-1390. Uh, Carter, just to, to jump in into this thing tons to talk about and recap from what was a busy busy week in nashville huge content week for uh for our show and for everybody here on espn 106.7 the max roundtable on the line and the drive uh, i thought it was a fantastic week for content here on the station oh absolutely we had so many great uh interviews um so many great resources up there in uh nashville to to tap into and talk to and you know and you you learn a lot about kind of where everybody's opinions are on the league and on Auburn and those opinions on Auburn seem to be a little all over the place, which is always fascinating. Right. Um how about the fact that one of my like biggest takeaways was how many people in the national media and I guess the regional SEC media think that Robbie Ashford has like a real shot with this job. Well, speaking of that, I'm glad you bring that up because just about 15, 20 minutes ago, uh, Mac and Cube, the Mac, Greg McElroy and, and Cole Kublik from Jocks in Birmingham, they tweeted out saying that according to Bet Online, the uh, massive gambling site, Robbie Ashford's the favorite to win the job over Peyton Thorne. I can unequivocally tell you that that is not the actual case i i retweeted it and said thorn equals money because if you're yes. if you're into that and you can find a I way mean, to do it in this state Peyton or somewhere thorn else having a zach calzada arm injury in fall camp i think he is 100 percent the starter no doubt no 100%. doubt about it and that's the thing like, like to to the point that the more i sat on it this past week 
I think Peyton Thorne should have gone to Nashville. Yeah, I mean... The, the more I sat on it, because especially the more I heard it being hyped up as this really big battle and people kept citing Robbie, 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 I just don't think that's the case. Well, here's my thing to go against that, is the, the starter obviously was not named after spring practice, and with everything going on in the summers where you're not technically practicing, right, it would be... Not saying it can't happen, not saying it doesn't happen, but it would be weird or raise some red flags if you didn't have a starter coming out of spring, Peyton Thorne steps in, and you're like, yep, that's our starter mid-July, we want to go ahead and mark him down as a starter. Most people know he's going to be the guy day one on September 2nd, but it would just come off a little fishy to me, and not even to me, but to others outside of the program. If in the middle of July, if you take Peyton Thorne to SEC Media Days, you are stating him the starter, and it would just come off a little fishy to me if you do that in the middle of July. I'm not saying anything's going on there or would have gone on there. I just think you can avoid that by not taking him. And so um, the, the fact that the betting odds, though, the fact that the betting odds are saying Robbie Ashford over Peyton Thorne, look, don't take my betting advice, but if you want to make a little cash, that may not be a bad idea to, to, to sprinkle something on Peyton Thorne being at what, plus 100, I think is what they said according to Bet Online. And, and Robbie was minus, I don't even know, minus 110 or 120, something like that. I don't remember. But Peyton Thorne was the underdog according to the betting guys in Las Vegas. Yeah, that's so shocking. And like, I just, I feel like they are just. 100% off on that and you bring up the the Calzada thing and I want to I want to make this very very clear Zach Calzada was hurt Zach Calzada was injured and yes and not and I don't think we knew how much it affected his play and his growth. yes but I also don't think he was I don't think he was what the staff thought he was going to be when he came in the door no I, and, I don't think he was like either. even if he was healthy I don't think like, I think from a mentality, a leadership, and just having the, as the as the kids say these days, say that dog in you mentality. Yeah, baby. Peyton Thorne has that. I'm not, I don't think Zach Calzada did. I, I don't, really don't. I don't know if he did, and, and it proves to seem, it seems to have proven himself that he did not, but at the time when it came to Zach Calzada, anybody that listened to this program a year ago I was very high on Zach Calzada because he should have started. He should have come in and been the starter if he was fully healthy. And I expected him to have that type of mentality to come into a bad quarterback room and be the guy. And it just didn't happen that way. And so I want to make myself very clear. I was wrong about Zach Calzada and him being the starter. 100% wrong. I will not be wrong about Peyton Thorne. This is a completely different situation. I'm hearing completely different stories about these two gentlemen when it came to Zach Calzada when he was at Auburn versus Peyton Thorne and in his very short time that he's been at Auburn. Um, I'm hearing great things, fantastic things. And I just think he is going to be different for this team. And I think he's going to be different for this quarterback room and I am very, very confident that he will be the long-term starter. Now, could there be, could there be in your mind or our listeners' minds or whoever, could there be a weird situation where Peyton Thorne isn't 100% mentally ready to go? I don't think anything injury or physicality-wise is an issue here. But is there a possibility 
that Robbie starts in the first game, Thorne gets some time, and then ends up starting on the road in game two at Cal. I don't think so, but I'm interested to hear what you have to say. Yeah, um, I, I, I don't think that there's a scenario that Peyton Thorne doesn't take the first snap, and I think he's once he seizes the job, I don't think he gives it up at any point. I think he's going to play well. Uh, you're going to have a good offensive line in front of him, a really good running back room. I think the receivers are going to be better. Uh, t- to me, the as far as the receiving room being, I think you kind of go as Jair Shorter's health goes because I think if he can stay healthy because he has this long injury history, uh, he's got he's had surgeries to clean stuff up, all of that. Uh, to the point that I don't know if he's ever like 100%, 100%. Yeah. Uh, which is a dumb way to say that. But I think he's like pretty much always banged up. But when he's available and on the field, he is a difference maker. And I think that that is, I think he opens things up for Shane Hooks, Camden Brown, uh, Javarius Johnson. Because he's this deep play guy that teams have to worry about. Because, I mean, look, what, he had 19 yards of reception last year? And he had he had a game where he had, what, two catches for daggum near 100 yards and a couple touchdowns? Mm-hmm. And, and I think when it comes to that first game on who takes the first snap at the quarterback spot, I think it will be Peyton Thorne, but you're playing UMass, and you would expect – that Auburn can handle that game. Auburn's obviously more talented, better coached, whatever, whatever. Um, I think you're going to see multiple quarterbacks play in that game, which I think is very important in case something happens, God forbid, in case something happens to your starting quarterback, you want somebody like Robbie to get those in-game reps some more. Hopefully he's more comfortable. Hopefully he's better. Uh, Jair Shorter averaged 27.3 27.3 yards per reception last year oh okay so extra first down on top of what i said almost. <laughs> yeah literally that's that's actually that's impressive insane <laughs> that's ridiculous on how many catches he because remember he only caught he 23 didn't ca- balls yeah, yeah. but he had 628 yards that's ridiculous that's insane it's 23 catches in auburn's last two systems would be 250 yards yeah, i was gonna say half if that's <laughs> It'd be it'd be 250 yards maybe for some of these guys. That's insane. 27 yards per catch on 23 catches, mm-hmm. and it's not like it's like six receptions and he averaged 50 yards on each one of them. Like that's a decent amount of reception, not a ton, but a decent amount of receptions, and a lot of those were long balls. Yeah, I mean, I think if you can use him the way that he was used at North Texas, and then you Shane Hooks is your all right. Maybe maybe if we do throw that fourth and goal fade at Penn State to 6-4 Shane Hooks rather than, what, 5-10, 5-11 Kobe Hudson? Yeah. It, it may have worked out. Like, Shane Hooks is your contested catch guy, your long, rangy guy. Cam Brown, I think, can be a mixture of both of those. And don't forget about Cam- Fairweather at the tight end spot. I think he might. I think we may see Fairweather line up at wide receiver more often than at t- than at tight end. I think he's that good. I think he's that much of a difference maker. Uh, and we don't. We don't. We have not given enough attention for the the final game of the year that Fairweather had last year against Mid- Middle Tennessee State. Eight catches for one fifty two and three touchdowns. 
have we ever seen an Auburn tight end that's capable of that in a we have, we've seen Auburn tight ends that aren't capable of doing that in a season. Right. Well, I, I would like say we haven't Auburn tight ends. We haven't seen an Auburn tight end get the opportunity to do that. I wouldn't well, say they well, were capable. I, I would say I'd say twenty one Shinker because she broke every yeah. single season record an Auburn tight end had. Because that, that staff actually used tight ends, surprisingly. Not so much last year, interestingly enough. Yeah, I know, and then, it's weird. And then especially once you revamp the offense after mm-hmm. the firing and you didn't throw the ball anymore. No. Uh, but I think you've got a guy who is maybe a top two or three talented tight end athletically in Auburn history right now in Fairweather. And he's, he's a guy that's not afraid to stick his nose in there and block. He, look, I, I, he's not Luke Deal. He's not a high-level blocking tight end. He's not that. That's part of the reason why I think Luke Deal went to, went to SC Media Days because I think you're going to see a lot of packages where both of them are on the field at the same time. And that's going to be awesome. Yes, and, and whether they're both lined up at tight end or Fairweather's out wide and Luke Deal is your in-line tight end, I think you're going to see them both on the field. Luke Deal may not catch 20 balls, but he's going to be an important part of this offense, and I think that's the message that Hugh Freeze sent you and that he's a leader in that tight ends room because I think there was a quote early in the spring. I think uh, our friend of the show, Zach Blackerby, mentioned it in his conversation with Luke Deal when Daryl and Zach were talking to, to Luke that I think Luke had had an interview earlier in the spring and when asked about leadership uh, on the offense, Luke just said, the entire tight ends room? Because <laughs> They're all veteran guys. Yeah, they I are. mean, they, with the exception of what Riley Ducker, and because he's a, I guess he's technically a redshirt freshman going into this year, but I think he's going to be more in your. I think he is your backup for the Fairweather mold, and Fromm may have a little more pass catching to him than than uh, Deal, but yeah. he's a little more of the Deal mold. And then of course you got junior offensive tackle Brandon Frazier out there at what six foot seven six foot eight monster 75 280 pounds the monster himself I mean he's he hasn't caught very many balls he's been the most fascinating Auburn player I've seen in a while just because like he's so big it's like what do you do he somehow disappears like it's like I I thought he was gonna be like um not full Hunter Hunter Henry at Arkansas, but like kind of Hunter Henry ish. Okay. At okay. All. That's <laughs> I like that comparison. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. We got question of the day coming up. Best and worst in sports from over the weekend. We'll talk about it when we come back. You are on the line on ESPN one oh six seven. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Question of the day here on the Monday edition of On the Line. We do it every Monday coming out of the weekend. Best and worst in sports from over the weekend. Uh, Carter, I've got a worst, I've got a best, and I've also just got a massive question mark of things that happened this weekend in sports. Where do you want to start? You want to give me your best and my worst, or you want to flip-flop it? It's up to you. Uh, let's go with my best. Um, and my worst. Because, because okay. I've, got, I've got that kind of on the uh, tip of my tongue. I'm going right. to go with uh, Lionel Messi. Yeah, how about that? Coming in in his first MLS game and hitting the game-winning free free kick, the match-winning, sorry, sorry, match, because it's 
It's football. Whatever. Uh, soccer. Don't make me uh, mad. <laughs> uh, hitting that free kick in what, like the 94th minute? Yeah, to win? it was an extra time. It was like the last minute. Did you see how expensive tickets were for that? They were like in the tens of thousands of dollars. To, and did you see to go all to the, the game. celebrities that yeah. were there? It was unbelievable. Le- how Le- about LeBron and... Was Serena Ch- there? Kim Kardashian was there with her daughter. Yeah. Which, I think okay. Serena Williams was there. I could be wrong on that. I wonder, but, I wonder if... Kim Kardashian was there with rumored potential boyfriend Tom Brady. Oh, well, he didn't make I, any I saw photos. That. So. It's just so funny to me. It's like, <laughs> yeah, Kim Kardashian might might be in that boat, but ain't no way Tom Brady wants in, uh, any part of that mess. No, I wouldn't think so. But I did see that. Um, it's crazy because, you know, people were making jokes that Messi comes in in his first game in the United States and he's already in, in making history and has one of the greatest shots in, in U.S. soccer history already. Um, it was unbelievable, man. Unbelievable the fact that he is playing MLS soccer in the United States and comes in and that's the first thing he does is, yeah, look, I'm better than all of you ever will be, so here's my match-winning kick on my free kick and extra time to win it. So that was legendary. Um, I want to come back to a soccer conversation in just a few minutes. The worst thing I saw this weekend, and I was really hoping this wouldn't be the case, the Open was boring. Yes. Boring. It was horrible. Like, credit to Brian Harmon for just going nuclear and not letting anybody get near him. His lead was five going into Sunday. Um, It got down to two early. He struggled out of the gates the first four or five holes, but then he turned it on, and it wasn't even his play. It was nobody else did anything to catch up. John Romdit had a great day there on the weekend, but he started so poorly in the beginning that it was it was too little too late, and nobody on Sunday really had a chance to make a charge. And I get a five-stroke lead is, is tough to overcome, especially in the open, especially in a major, but man, I, it was a boring, boring golf tournament this weekend, and I was really disappointed when I got up early Sunday morning. I was like, man, I could have slept in. Uh, I've... Uh, I definitely could have slept in and been just fine and not missed any of the action because it was rainy and windy on Sunday and it was it was just terrible. So um, congratulations to him, though. He got on and he won and he said, uh, I'm going to celebrate by turning my phone off and getting on the tractor. So good for Brian Harmon for winning the Open this weekend. It was just not very uh, entertaining. So that was the worst thing that I saw this weekend. Uh Normally don't talk about soccer on this program. I'm not a soccer fan by any means, but did you see the news about the Saudi some Saudi soccer league wanting to pay one of the biggest superstars a billion dollars for a single year of play? Did you see this? I I saw something about it. I have this not read it Fred fully up on it. Unbelievable. It is unbelievable. There's a Saudi golf league, a Saudi team that is willing to play pay uh, Mbappe, I believe I'm pronouncing that correctly. They want to pay him one billion with a B, folks. Billion with a B. One billion dollars. Well, Seven hundred seventy-six million yes. of salary, and they're, they're the rest trying, of it's his buyout. A three hundred thirty-two million dollar transfer fee. My lord! For one year of soccer, one year of play, they want to pay this guy, and he's great. He's probably top five of all time, and. They want to pay him seven hundred and fifty million dollars, but they want to shell out a billion. France, literally. If he just if he just hangs out in this Saudi uh, Saudi soccer league, he will own the country of France. 
That's unbelievable. $750 million. I saw a stat. LeBron James has made like $550 million in his career. And they're trying to pay this guy one year $700-and-something million, over a billion just to get him to their league for one year. Another example of the Saudi leagues showing they don't have, like, their money is so endless, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. So I saw that, and I just I had to make a comment because I was like, we're in the wrong business, man. We're in the wrong business. You and I aren't athletic enough to go play <laughs> professional soccer. What the heck are you talking about? I would have tried a lot harder as a kid knowing that you could go and do that. When when I got to this station, I saw the way you ate. You did not eat well enough <laughs> to be a high-level athlete. <laughs> what, are you, what are you trying to say, man? What are you trying I'm, to I'm say? Saying I the, can't make a billion dollars playing soccer or whatever sport I want? You you told me dead serious one day it's fifty cent corn dog day at Sonic. I don't know if you know this. Profe- high level professional athletes don't go participate in fifty cent <laughs> corn dog day at Sonic. Well, they don't know what they're missing. That's all I'm saying. They don't know what they're missing. That was the best and worst. We'll reverse it in hour number two. I'll give my best. Carter will give his worst. That'll come up in hour number two. But when we come back, we'll talk some more SEC media days and how the media continues to disrespect Auburn. You are on the line with Jacob Goins. And Carter Bird on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. All right, we're halfway through hour number one here on the Monday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. He's Carter Bird. I'm Jacob Goethe. Let's get to the phone lines. 334-321-1390. Terry, you're on the line. Happy Monday, man. What's up? Have fun, you guys. How's it going? Going well. All right, Terry. Guys, I love soccer. I can't stand soccer. I, I look. <laughs> I just, I'm not a I, soccer I, fan either, but some of the numbers I mean, are throwing around. I might be interested. I guess because up at AIDB and Talladega, I worked with a bunch of bunch of people who who supported it vehemently. They were thinking of those soccer parties. Soccer just, parties. Just, yeah. Okay. Like a, like a kickoff party for football. Got you. Okay. Well, look, so I, it just it just drove me crazy. I respect you if you watch it. I respect their fans. I have tried, Terry, I'll be honest. I have tried to get into soccer, especially MLS since it's here in the United States, especially when I was living in Ohio with the Columbus crew because they have a really good fan base. I tried, but man, I just can't do it. I'll watch the United States and the World Cup, but that's pretty much it. Yeah, I mean, great cure for insomnia. <laughs> Um, don't don't scarf too much at that billion dollar because Otani's going to demand close to that. He is, yeah. He he can pretty much ask for any baseball franchise he wants. Which Terry, that's why I've made the argument, and I've been asking people: is is Otani untradeable at this point? Is he so expensive that he's untradeable? I think there's a legitimate argument for that. I just hate to see him go to the Dodgers or the Yankees because that's that's going to be your big your big city team. You, you, well, we all know that. He's going to end up it, with the LA Dodgers. So that's that's yeah. I hate to break that to you because he he wants to stay on the West Coast and nobody has nobody sure on the West Coast spends the money to land a guy like that except for the Dodgers. Now I heard a guy, oh you guys know who Tim Kirchin is, mm-hmm. ESPN. He he don't sell the San Francisco Giants. Remember, they were the ones that signed Barry Bonds. Yeah, but I he said I, that. I, yeah, a time, I just think that time. if it turns into a straight up bidding war, the Dodgers are not going to get outbid for Shohei Otani 
by the Giants. But here's my no. thing, and here's the argument I'm making for this, Terry, is for anybody to trade for Shohei Otani, you have to give away everything, literally everything you have, current, future, whatever you have. They may even ask you to get a former player just for, for kicks and giggles. But I just don't know if Otani... If, if a team can truly afford it because he's so good and so talented and he should ask for every penny because he deserves it. But think about a team like the Dodgers. Are they going to trade away what they have right now for one superstar player when they compete for a World Series every single year? I agree. I agree. I just, I'm, I'm, I'm not a Yankees fan at all. I enjoy seeing them lose. Quite Me honestly. neither. I love watching the Yankees lose. Uh, but but uh, that's I mean they got the rep. Let's be honest. Yeah. And then I heard a guy say the other day he said he's a three hundred fifty million dollar hitter. He's a three hundred fifty million dollar pitcher. Yeah, it's a great way to put 700 it. Seven hundred million bucks. Yeah. So that's not that far from a billion. Yeah, I mean that's so, uh, I mean in terms of true salary, I mean, mm-hmm. well, I mean I guess Mbappe's is all in one year, so that's a little different. He's going to make right a one year deal. He'll, he'll make a. You'll see Shohei make a very healthy $60 million a year. Which is insane. And then the question Which becomes... American how, sports is insane. Yeah, and then it becomes how long can he truly do it, right? How long can he truly be that, a pitcher is, and a hitter? That is what I'm concerned and with. And when one goes somebody's, out, which way does he somebody's go? Somebody's going to sign him to like a 13-year deal, and it's going to be worth a billion dollars. And... He will, because it's the way these contracts always work in baseball, he'll start to fizzle out with three, four years left on that at least. At least, just because... I've I've never... Yeah, yeah, exactly. I've never seen one of those crazy long-term deals like truly work out for every single year of the deal. He is our big star. He is everything. I know they have Mike Trout, but Mike Trout can't stay healthy. And he's yeah, also I mean, he's getting up I mean, there in age too. Yeah, exactly. Man, he, he's not. He's been playing he's baseball for a while. That old. He's not old, but he's getting up there. Thirty-one. He's got. He's got another 31? seven, eight years if he wants. Yeah, now the National League has the DH. Is that right? Well, but yeah, everybody mm-hmm. has it. Yep. Yeah. So he can. He can. That's the. That's kind of the role he's. He can get into. I, I can see that down the road. I can see him move. I can see him move to first base at some point in his career. I mean, he's a freak right. athlete. I mean, he's he's six two, six three, two hundred forty pounds, and has some of the best sprint speed in baseball. Like he's he's a legitimate five tool player. Even even if he's not playing center field and right field, he can right. play a few different positions on the on the on the diamond and and find and extend that career out if he wanted to. Who was the guy that played for the Astros? Who started out as a catcher? They moved him to second base and then the center field. I cannot remember Ooh. the, the guy. He was a great athlete, and because they didn't want him catching, because it would tear his knees up. And I cannot remember that kid's name. That's Not a good George question. Is, I, that's the name that popped into my head, but I don't think that's yeah. right. Right? Huh? I don't know. Appreciate it, guys. You have a good day. Yeah, you Appreciate too, Terry. It. Good to hear from you. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. Yeah, that's the number that or that's the name that popped into my head was Springer, but I don't think he ever. Unless it would, unless this is like if we're talking recent time, I don't know. Hmm. Well, again, I think for Otani, I really do. I'm I'm talking myself more and more into the he is untradeable, and and at that point, if you're Otani, you have to come off your number. You have to come off of something because if not, what are you going to do? 
You're either going to get stuck in Los Angeles playing for the Angels, a collapsing franchise that's never going to win anything, or you're just not going to play baseball. And so I think he's going to, he will eventually have to come off his number, which is unfair. But if I am a, and the Braves got brought up a lot in this conversation, right? Talking about Shohei Otani, the possibly the greatest baseball player you've ever seen. People were talking about the Braves. It's not George Springer. He's played every position in the outfield, but he's not played any, he's, and he's DH'd last, this year some. He hasn't uh, played infield at all? Is he a left? No, he's righty. Uh, no, he is not. Hmm. It's going to bother me because I, I know, know who he's talking about. I, think. I don't know. I feel, like, I feel like I know who he's talking about, but I don't know. But anyway, when it comes to Otani and the Braves, people were talking about him in the Braves trying to trade for him, and it's like, the Braves, the Braves would be stupid to do that. The Braves also dumb. don't have like this huge farm system full of chock full of uh, prospects to start wheeling and dealing like crazy. No, and here's the thing too: when it comes to the Braves, is everybody that they have on their team is there for not long, long term, but multi-year deals. And I think that's why it would be dumb for the Braves to to trade for Otani because you would have to trade away numerous guys who are going to be on your team for a long amount of time and with the current system and the current roster that the Braves have right now you can compete for years and years down the road whereas if you trade away those guys for Shohei Otani yeah you're going to be a great team for one or two years but you're not going to compete long term a couple uh phone calls with the did we get an answer answer? Craig Biggio oh I did not know that about him being a catcher Okay, but yeah. that was not where I was going to go. But interesting. Okay, well, we appreciate the phone calls. And is, he, the is he the second? Or is he the second to last player to get to three thousand hits? Jeter did it after him. Jeter did it after. Did Adrian Beltre get there? I don't. Know. I want to say yes. I think he did as well. I think he did. Beltre. I know he was really he was, close. I'm pretty sure he got there, like right there at the end. Yes, he got to three thousand one hundred sixty-six hits. So okay, I think BGO might be the third to last player to get to three thousand hits. Didn't he also get hit by an absurd amount of pitches, or am I imagining that? That I don't know. You'd have to look at that. That I don't know. He led Major League Baseball in hit by pitches five times in his career. Good for him. <laughs> he got hit by Good 285 pitches in his career. 285? That's terrible. <laughs> like, what? I wonder if that is... Wonder I'm how, curious. Like, where, where, I'm, I'm looking up where, where, that's, where that stacks up all time. That's got to be up there. Second. Behind? Second all time behind Huey Jennings at uh, Huey at had two eighty seven, so he's two behind. Ah, gotcha. Huey Jennings, the household name that we all know and love, uh, played from eighteen ninety one to nineteen. Good lord, eighteen. That's insane. He Wait. played. Yeah, he's he got, almost played. He's got stats. Thirty years. He has stats. He played in. His last, like, from 1907 to 1918, he appeared in, it appears, six total games. Yeah, I remember, yeah I, remember, I remember watching him back in the day, you know. He, he must have been a player manager if they got in games. <laughs> had to <way>. be. <laughs> had <laughs> to be. But, I mean, he, this guy was a legend. He got hit by 51 pitches in 1896. As a former baseball player yourself that played in college, could you imagine getting hit by 285 pitches in your career? That would be terrible. Well, it's also a different era. Like getting hit by that many pitches now would stink. That'd be miserable because guys yeah. throw like a hundred. 
That would be terrible. <laughs> Get hit 285 times by a pitch in your career, uh, by pitches in your career. Yeah, in today's game of baseball where, yeah, they throw 95 to 105 depending on who's on the mound. Um, that would be, yeah, that'd be terrible. 334 321 We'll get to the phone lines in just a second. We'll get to Shane, who's on the line. Welcome in. Hey, guys. How y'all doing? Doing good, man. What's up? Uh, just real quick, uh, the, you guys were talking about this whatever this guy's name was that played in early 1900s. And you're, there was like a gap where he only played six games. Pretty yeah. sure that during World War One, if my timing is correct. Well, so, it's, it's, it's a like 11 year period from 1907 to 1918 he plays in like six total games yeah well hmm. uh, some of that could have been where yes. you know back then you, uh, it wasn't you weren't like a professional anything you were if if, if the military called you you yeah. it was more patriotic back yes. then you know what i mean like yeah mm-hmm. well especially uh, in the back end of that gap where that exact that's exactly where world war one is was like 19 exactly. what, like 14 to 18 or 19 or something like that uh yeah right. i guess what it started in 14 yeah i think it started late oh. july of 14 Started in 14 but and it went it went through i'm pretty, uh, pretty sure 19 but but leading up to that you know if if that was I was just thinking, you know, that time frame, that was mm-hmm. probably a good reason why yeah. some of those games. Uh, My guy, Huey Jennings, was a three twelve hitter. Let's go. <laughs> good for him. How about it? Wow. That was back, that was back when, when um, the, the balls were made of, what, rubber or something? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is awesome. I, I love I love the baseball's that one sport that you can go find the most absolutely random just stuff. <laughs> Because it goes back, so, I mean, it goes back to basically the Civil War. Yeah. Hey guys, I uh, I uh, I've been on vacation, so I haven't heard much uh, of uh, of uh, media days or anything like that. I, I kind of read up on it, but have we gotten any recruits in football in the last you know week or so? We have not. J- well, there was Jalen Crawford, Crawford on July fifteenth, and since then. No, but this is the kind of week that Auburn's been building to all month because you've got is this weekend? Yes, it is this weekend. You've got you've got Demarcus Riddick announcing on Wednesday, and then on Saturday, it is believed by his social media post, Perry Thompson will make some sort of final decision on his. uh, He keeps teasing July 29th, and uh, which July 29th. He's currently slated to be on campus at Auburn at Big Cat Weekend. You're also going to have an absurd amount of five-star players. you got K.J. Bolden, the five-star safety out of Georgia, announcing on August 5th. Uh, I mean, it's this has a chance, in my opinion, to be maybe the best two weeks in Auburn recruiting and maybe ever. Maybe ever. I hope, I hope you're right, man. I remember, you know, the peak of Gus. Uh, we we got a boom every every you know seemed like a seemed like every week that we got a boom. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping for some booms this week, this, this this coming next next couple of weeks. That would well, be. That'd be awesome. Yeah, and it, it seems like with Freeze in his short time, it's been in waves almost, right? You get two or three guys to commit, and then it kind of backs off. And then you get two or three guys, and then it backs off. But like Carter said, I think he's 100% right. This is what they've been building for. This is what they've been working towards is late July, early August, Big Cat weekend, and just make the biggest splash in college football recruiting. Shane, Shane in two, so right now Auburn's got 11 commits in two weeks. 
I think it would be a very fair kind of expectation to be at 16, maybe 17 commits. Hey, man, I'll take that. Yeah, I, it it, like, it's going to take off like here in the next two weeks. Too. Right, exactly. Yes. You're 100% right, mm-hmm. Shane. You're 100% right. All right. Where are you, guys? Yeah, appreciate, right. appreciate the call, Shane. Good to hear from you. 334-321-1390. We'll wrap up hour number one when we come back here on ESPN 106.7. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app. Wrapping up hour number one here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7. Uh, we got a few minutes, Carter. Let's talk some. We've been talking baseball. Let's continue. Let's talk some current baseball rather than uh, a guy that played in uh, 1895. Yes. <laughs> uh, the Braves are are back in action after a series this weekend uh, with the Milwaukee Brewers, which, fun fact, this coming weekend, I'll actually be going to Atlanta to watch the Braves play that that Milwaukee team when they come to Atlanta. Yeah, they had a uh, an eight game span where they played the the um, the Brewers six times. Mm-hmm. I believe it's the uh, it's the Red Sox in between, right? It is. Yeah, that starts tomorrow for the for the Braves. So that's the game where I will watch it slash listen to it and just watch it and listen to it <laughs> because look. I'm a Red Sox fan first. I just am. And the Red Sox, let's just be honest, the Red Sox need the wins more than the Braves do right now. And Although the, the Braves did go through the through that rocky stretch. where They, they did. They lost uh, between the end of the Rays series to game two of the Diamondbacks. They lost five of six and dropped consecutive series against the Diamondbacks and the White Sox. Mm-hmm. I hate seeing that because that White Sox team... That White Sox seems bad. There's also, to me, like, there's no excuse for the White Sox to be bad because remember, like, they had this young core that yeah. came up together, and like, they're like, oh, watch out for them for years to come in the Central, and then they've been pretty much as soon as that got declared, they've been awful in a horrible division of baseball. Yes, it's yeah, it's a mess. Um, but yes, the Braves are in Boston for two games. They come home the, for the Brewers. How about the Baby O's? Yeah. The baby O's. I don't like it. It just, eh. <laughs> I don't like Have you it. seen the defensive play? Have you seen the the level of play that Gunnar Henderson, the former Auburn commit, has, has reached here recently? Yeah, former Auburn legend. He is making unbelievable plays in the field. Uh, he, he hit a, he kind of hit a, I want to say, a kind of bloopish double, if I'm recalling this correctly, uh, this past weekend against the, like, he terrorized the race the, the, this past weekend. Uh, and the left fielder goes to field the ball on a in, on the turf, so it had a big like kind of candy hop to him, and he flips it. And like when I say flip it, like he lobbed that thing like thirty feet in the air. And Gunnar Henderson's like, "Thank you very much. I'll take third base yep. while that ball's in the air." And he's just he's he's good, man. He's starting to remind me the way he's playing the game. It's got the little bit of Ellie De, De La Cruz in him, and it's got a little bit of. Remember when Bryce Harper first came up and he yeah. just would have crazy hustle plays that yeah. like some people would be like, oh my God, he's such a tryhard. But it's like, come on. 
That's a smart baseball play. You and can't I love be the a, effort. You can't be a tryhard in professional sports, college sports. I don't. There's no such thing. That's a ridiculous statement. There is no such thing. You can be a tryhard in gym class, but you can't be a tryhard in college or professional sports. I will say the uh, the one game that the Braves lost to the Brewers this past weekend. I'll I'll add that to the best thing I saw this weekend. Do you see the rookies in that game? Yeah. You had uh, what was his name? Uh, it's either Sam or Sal Freelick. Uh, it may be Sal. I think I'm, yeah, it's Sal. He in his first game goes three for three with a run scored and two RBI in a uh, four to three win. So he accounts for for three of the four Brewers runs and basically won the game because uh, there wasn't a ton of hits outside of him. There are just five hits on the rest of the lineup for the Brewers. But he got it done. It was really impressive to watch how he handled each at bat. Uh, and then in the top of the ninth inning, when the Braves were trying to tie it up, they pinch ran um, Wall, who's the the guy that they just brought up, and I'm drawing a blank on the first name. Um, and he steals second. Next pitch steals steals third, and he's the guy that I think stole 45 basis and you you, you, you got to make sure when you say it over the airwaves that it really comes through clearly as 45 as uh Braves announcer Brandon Godden oh my gosh. found out the other day yeah he did say 45 the more he I listened did. to it I heard 45 but I cannot was, believe it when I heard it, it was vague enough that you could think he rather than saying five said a different F word there. Yeah, that we are definitely legally not allowed to say on any airwaves whatsoever. <laughs> he tweeted it out. He said, he said uh, what was his name? Forrest Wall stole 45, 45 <laughs> bases. He, he tweeted that out in the middle of the oh. game when it started picking up steam online. Yes, everybody was on Twitter and they were like, what in the world did he just say? And it, it sounded so it's bad. He laughed in the, at the beginning of five and it sounded, made the whole thing sound off. Yeah, yeah. That's my biggest fear as a broadcaster. Hope oh, that'll never happen. What a crazy thing. What a crazy thing to happen. But hey, hour number one in the book. Stay tuned. Hour number two coming up. ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7. Auburn Opelika, sports leader. Happy Monday, everybody. Hope you're doing well as we get underway in hour number two here on the Monday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds not the back. He is Carter Bird. I'm Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 106.7. If you missed any of hour number one, you know where to find the podcast, ESPNAU.com. Just click on the podcast center. It'll be up there commercial free right after the show today. Uh, you can find today's show 
You can find all of last week's shows with all of our great SEC Media Days content. And on our website, you can find my one-on-one interview with head coach Hugh Freeze of Auburn Football. So if you missed that, be sure you go to ESPNAU.com. And then you can also just search on the line wherever you get your podcast to find today's show. Uh, hour number one, we uh, we talked about some SEC Media Day stuff. We kind of recap what is going to be a big recruiting week, we think, or a couple of weeks for Auburn. Uh, we had our question of the day. We'll continue to talk about that coming up in a few minutes. The best and worst from the weekend. Uh, we talked a lot about baseball surprisingly we had we had 30 minutes of baseball conversation in hour number one and Lindsey Crosby wasn't even here for it so uh, if you missed any of it be sure to go catch it with the podcast ESPNAU.com we miss you Lindsey <laughs> if you're yeah. listening which maybe 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 he is maybe he is maybe he's not we'll have to get him on soon uh to get us caught up on what's going on in major league baseball but here's what's coming up in hour number two want to talk some of that sec media day stuff when it comes to uh the media polls we'll talk about the five auburn players that were picked all preseason sec and then coming up at 3 30 jacob hillman of the auburn sports network will join us as he does every single monday so that's what's coming up until we talk to him phone lines are open you can give us a call 334-321-13 that's 334-321-1390 well Carter I talked about this on Friday when the polls came out I know you were not here so I want to give you a chance to talk about this a little bit Uh, according to the media in Nashville for SEC Media Days uh Eight people think that Vanderbilt's going to win the SEC East. Five of those people think that Vanderbilt's going to win the SEC. And they also put Auburn at sixth to win in the SEC West. Your thoughts on the the voting of the media at SEC Media Days? Yeah, um, <laughs> I find the Vanderbilt vote very funny. And I really wonder how that got organized. If only we knew somebody who may or may not have voted for Vanderbilt. I don't know. I don't know who you're talking about or what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, no, it's um, – look, Georgia's going to win the East. I don't think anybody um, is is under any illusions that they're not. I mean, you look – I mean, Georgia had 265 votes. I guess Tennessee being second makes the most sense because I feel like they're sealing – could be the highest. What I will disagree with here, and shout out to our guy Lance Dahl because he he will appreciate this. Kentucky has a better chance of winning the East than South Carolina does. I can I'm agree. One hundred percent sure of that. Yeah, I can agree with that. I, the, the closer we get to this season, the better and better I feel about Devin Leary's health and that offensive line. That run game still going to be good. Those receivers have a chance to be a top three receiver unit in the SEC, which you never say that about Kentucky. Right, and I think really the question marks for the Cats is going to be the defensive side of the football, where I think they'll but be they improved. they always have a generally pretty solid yeah, defense. they do. Like I, I can't recall a year under Stoops where the defense has been bad. Right. Like, legitimately bad. And if they're just a pretty good defense, and Devin... I'm starting to believe if you revisit the quarterback power rankings that we did at the end of the year which we will Devin Leary might be one I think he might go nuclear this year in the conference I think he I'm starting to believe his ceiling is higher than 
than um, what we what we've seen out of Baton Rouge, what we've seen out of Fayetteville, what we what we will see out of Starkville. This is also coming from the guy that has talked himself into Kentucky going ten and two this season. I, I think nine and three. I think is a realistic, obtainable goal. Have we done schedule game for them yet? I don't know if we have. I don't think we have. Somebody, somebody has, I have, that, the, has I have a the, Google Doc. I do. With, I have the Google with, with Doc. It all. I don't think we have. But I think Devin Leary is going to be really good. I think he's a top five quarterback in the conference right now. Yes. I just think that I think we're going to see 2021 Devin Leary, but the Kentucky version with Liam Cohen as offensive coordinator, which has a chance to be special. I'm not saying he's going to get an invite to New York or anything, but I think he has a chance to put forth one of the better quarterbacking seasons in Kentucky Kentucky's football history. Well, I do think Kentucky is going to be good. Um, I think they'll finish third in the SEC East. Uh, I think that's where I put them in my rankings. Are you are you surprised that Alabama was voted to win the West over LSU? I disagree with it, but I'm not surprised just because that's how it goes down almost every year at SEC Media Days. It just seems everybody votes I, for Saban and Alabama. Um, I disagree with it. I, I voted. I put giving, LSU at one. I think we're giving too much credit to Nick Saban and Alabama, considering the question marks, and we're not giving enough enough credit to LSU, considering what returns for them, because you return your quarterback, you return your leading rusher. You might get John Emery back. You return both your tackles that are both high-level players. Uh, you return the best defensive player in college football. And all of that. You, you've you got an interior defensive line that's going to be nasty. Like, this LSU team is going to be a handful, and they're going to give... I mean... I'm getting more and more confident in LSU winning the West as time passes. Which is why I voted LSU to win the SEC West with my media ballot in Nashville. I think, um, I think, and I talked about this on Friday, Brian Kelly at SEC Media Days was cool, calm, collected, and without saying these exact words, he basically told the country and the conference, we're coming. LSU is coming. They want to play Georgia again in Atlanta because I think they have the confidence think, to beat Georgia in Atlanta. I think this year that that this LSU team actually has a chance to win that game. Last year they did not. They were not there. You had good athletes. You were able to pull off some huge wins. You were kind of up and down all year. I mean, as we saw, they lost to Dagum Texas A&M, who was a, a flaming dumpster fire at the end of the year. Like, it's ridiculous that they were that up and down and still won the West. Yeah. This year, you're another year in the system. Culture set a little better. I think you're better athletically across the board. Um, they can beat Georgia. This LSU team, I'll say this. This LSU team can win the national championship in year two. I think they can. Because I think, I think whoever comes out of the SEC will obviously have a chance – I would feel better about Ohio State and Michigan in a playoff if LSU was in it. Why? Because I think I think I think that the I think this if it's gonna happen, this is the year that the Big Ten gets one because it's gonna be Harbaugh's best Michigan team, 
Georgia theoretically, I, you, there's a path for Georgia to be down a, a little bit off the last two years. There's a we know that there's a path for Alabama to be down. LSU are they at that level of Ohio State and Michigan? I don't know right now. Ohio State year in year out they got the talent Marvin Harrison Jr. It wouldn't shock me if he posts a stupid year of like eighteen hundred yards. Yeah, and and we see him in New York because look he may not have won all the trophies for receivers last year. That's the best receiver in the country last year. That's the best receiver in the last few years. How likely is it for you that it's in whatever order one through four in the in what we assume is going to be one of the last four team college football playoffs? But it is the last, right? Right. Georgia, LSU, Ohio State, Michigan. I think that's very possible, but that hinges on LSU has to take care of FSU. Mm-hmm. They can only lose one other regular season game, maybe two. Maybe if they lose to FSU and one SEC game and then win the West and beat Georgia, and that is Georgia's only loss because Georgia is going to walk through that schedule. I think that, I think that would get LSU in. I don't know if you, if you saw this, but um, when Daryl posted the, his picture of his cupcake last week, yeah. Georgia fans got real upset. Oh, I know. Really I loved upset. it. And <laughs> Daryl was Daryl Statistically, so, it's true. He was so, and he as he should be, he was so happy about that tweet. <laughs> he oh, sent it out. He was so happy about it. I've talked to him about it. It's it was very awesome. Funny. It was fantastic. Uh, but and uh, George Francis was like, "Oh well, it's because Auburn's on the schedule. You're on the schedule." It's I like, know. Still, like even take Auburn out, put. LSU in, it's still the easiest schedule yep. in the SEC. Yep. And it still would be the easiest schedule Auburn would have had since Tulane was in the SEC? I don't know. Yeah. It, like It's bad. It is, and on ESPN's FPI, it is seven spots worse than the next easiest schedule in the SEC. And the rest of the SEC is in the top 24. Which is why they will make a run to Atlanta and probably be in the college football playoff because more than likely their only loss would be to an LSU in Atlanta in the SEC championship game, which we've seen this situation before. A Let's see one loss non-SEC champion is more than likely going to get in. Now, teams that way, can... Right, right now they rank, uh, the FBI ranks Ole Miss' schedule hardest in the country. What's up? Mm. I tried to tell you all. The schedule is actually hard. Last year was a joke. Yeah. Last year was a joke. Especially when you compare the two. Um, I think teams Auburn outside. Had the, uh, at the end of the year last year, Auburn had the, the number one schedule in the country. I believe it. I LSU, believe it. top three, Auburn, LSU, Georgia. Or Florida, sorry. I was about to say. Hold up. Um, Where was Ole Miss? Ole Miss in the SEC was 36 last year. That doesn't happen. No, it doesn't. And that's why they started so hot. That does not happen. This year, right now, going into the year, is number one hardest schedule. For Ole Miss? Yes. They were last in the conference last year. Only Arkansas had an easier schedule. And those two were 9 and 11 spots behind uh, Texas A&M. How about that? Texas A&M went 
five and seven with the third easiest schedule in the ACC. Yeah, that's not great, Jimbo. That ain't great, Jimbo. The SEC had, uh, by looking at this, this is hilarious. Oh my gosh. The SEC had every spot of the top nine except for four. And hardest schedules? So eight of the top nine schedules in college football last year were SEC teams. It's not surprising, though, but I think when you compare last year to this year, you and I have talked about this. I think Shout the out conference Vanderbilt for winning that many games with the sixth hardest schedule in college football. And again, they're going bowling this year. I'm proud of those guys. I am too. And I think when you compare last year to this year, we've talked about it. I think the SEC takes a step back as a whole. I do. I think the SEC takes a step back. Well, yeah, I think yeah, Alabama's yeah, like going to Al- be worse. Georgia's going to be worse. They have to be worse. Uh, Alabama, I think, is going to have a, another down year, which means they could win 10 games. But they're going to have another down year because of the question marks. I, don't, I just don't think they have – they're not built like the Alabama teams of the past that did what they're trying to do. And what I mean by that is they're not as dominant in the trenches to play this style of ground and pound where – gonna shove it down your throat for 60 minutes and get physical and wear you down we've got a stable of running backs they aren't as good in the trenches as they were when they were winning national championships doing that and i think terry called in and made a good point about that during sec media days where he said the game of college football is different you can't score 21 points and expect to win week in and week out in the sec anymore you just can't do that you have to score 30 35 you have to have a truly elite defense and i I think that Alabama defense is going to be very, very good. I don't think they're Georgia elite of the last two years. No, and, and I, I agree with you. I agree with Terry on both of those things. Um, so I think Alabama, yes, will will be, quote, down for them. Um, some of the biggest names in the conference, Florida's going to be bad. We just talked about Ole Miss, who's an exciting team, but they're not going to be very good. Um, you look at Georgia, who will take a – slight step back more than likely um auburn is going to be a solid team but you don't know truly what they're going to be so there's a lot of hype around south carolina right you know they were picked third in the in the east they had too high according to espn's fpi they're the second worst team in the sec espn's fpi has got them 42nd behind two spots behind missouri yikes i don't believe that I don't. I don't either. I think. I think the the FPI is off. Right Will now. South Carolina be a top half team in this conference? Yes. Yes. And it's going to start when they get that week one win over UNC. Which, by the way, College Game Day will be going to that game in Charlotte, North Carolina, South Carolina, week one. As they should. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I think I, it'll be one of the better games of week one. What are the other? Is in this a year where we have a? It's not a great. Yeah, discouraging. It, it's, it's not a great week one. Week one. Yeah. It's. it's uh, Week two's got some good ones. I mean, that's got dude. some doozies. Week, week zero is not even that special. Week zero, we get. Hey, Vanderbilt plays a week zero now. Navy and Notre Dame in Dublin, Ireland. That's gonna be so oh fun. <laughs> the week the week zero games are tough. They're not very good. And week one, like we said, is not all that fancy. How about this? The the, the best, some of the better matchups of week one are on that Thursday, and then. Is LSU Florida State on Sunday again? Are they playing that game on Sunday or Monday night? I uh, give me. Uh, yes, they are. 
along with Oregon State at San Jose State. Don't I mean they'll be fine. They'll they'll win that game, but I don't know why you would go on the road for that game. And the one we've all been waiting for. Oh no. Northwestern at Rutgers. There might be oh boy. seven points scored in that game. Any, and it's gonna be it's gonna be a four to three win. Somebody's gonna have two safeties. <laughs> Unless I've missed it, has there been any update on that stuff when it comes to Northwestern and what the uh, football no, team's gonna look other like? Other than there, there's now an allegation against the volleyball program. So oh, I missed that. That's that came out this morning. Wow. Mm. It's just that's I tough. mean it's well you it's like when it. you you've, really when you've got a fire that slowly starts jumping from building to building as it burns down a whole cluster of buildings that's what's mm-hmm. happening in, in northwestern's athletic department Jeez, well sounds like a disaster to me 334-321-1390 question of the day we'll continue to give our best and worst in sports from over the weekend and then at 330 jacob hillman of the auburn sports network joins us all coming up on the monday edition of on the line you are on the line on espn 1067 Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Question of the day here on the Monday edition of On the Line. We continue it from our number one. We do it every Monday. Best and worst things we saw in sports from over the weekend. And uh, let's see, I... What did I do in the first hour? Did I give, I gave my best, right? I gave my, no, I gave my worst. Apologies. I gave my worst because I said the Open uh, was one of the most boring golf tournaments I've ever watched on television this year. Um, the Open, one of the three majors, it was Brian Harmon who uh, who won it, won it by a lot. And uh, it was pretty much non-competitive on the weekend. And so that was the worst thing I saw. And Carter, you gave the best thing you saw, which was Lionel Messi and his uh, goal with the MLS Miami team. The, the best thing I saw this weekend you know what's back, don't you? Oh, God. Slam ball, I, baby. I, Slam ball is back. I, Are you I a hater? No way you're a I slam ball a hater. No way you're a slam I ball hater. I watched a little bit of it in a, oh. uh, in a bar that I was, I was eating at this weekend. It just was on the screen. I was like, this, is, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. Did you not watch it I when it was on the first time? N- no. I watch real sports. What's with, wrong with slam ball? Why do you hate fun and, and, and children and anything that's good in the world? It's it's not a competitive. It's I mean it's not that competitive a game. Like I guess it's just not. It's boring eighty percent of the time. And then yes, you get your highlight. It, it's great for creating highlights. It is, but also when half the daggum league in three weeks has torn ACLs because that's. The whole thing is begging for that. The whole the it is can't handle I'm the heat. Stay out of the feet, kitchen. And there's giant areas that are not trampolines that I can land on. You're gonna get some brutal torn ACLs. You can also and how much money are they, are they really making in this league? I don't know, but you can also truck people and run yes, over people. It's football and basketball and trampoline meeting together, and it's awesome. It is so much fun to watch. I like. I've never got to like officially play it, but like growing up when trampoline parks were becoming a thing and they always had a basketball hoop, I loved doing that. And so um, I love it, man. I love slam ball. I think it is so much fun to watch. I would really like to play it. Um, 
I just don't know how you can hate on yeah football and basketball being combined with trampolines where they run up and they just yam it on somebody 15 feet in the air. They do alley-oops and flips and all kinds of stuff, and then you pass it to somebody in transition and they just get bodied into the wall. Like You can't tell me you don't enjoy slam ball. I mean, I just... It's awesome. It's fine. You're a hater. You're a hater. You know what I would I would be even cooler? Take the concept of slam ball and paintball and combine them. Okay. okay. Dudes jumping around. Like, you can have obstacles and stuff that they're hanging in the air. People are diving behind it. And like, oh, yeah. Sounds like American Gladiator to me. What, what do you think slam ball is? That, that's what I was gonna say. Is it looks like that of American Gladiator, and it's for sure gonna fall off in like four weeks. And, then, and the I'm gonna enjoy gonna every week of it. You better believe it. I'm gonna enjoy every week of it. If the AAF didn't last a single year because they didn't have the money, there's no chance slam ball. Does. Take give me slam ball over the AAF. Let's just be honest. <laughs> the AAF wasn't was wasn't horrible. I, I went and saw the very first Birmingham Iron game in downtown Birmingham. All the Birmingham teams are just in these other leagues are so good, aren't they? <laughs> that team wasn't. The Stallions are good, but the Birmingham <laughs> Iron wasn't that good. They weren't? I thought they were okay. No. I thought they were pretty good. And remember, the, the, whole, the first year didn't even last. The, the, the whole organization shut down like halfway like, through the first okay. year. I don't want to watch the basketball tournament. Slam ball right is better here. than the basketball tournament. No, I, no, it's not. Yes, it is. It's it's more entertaining. The only question that I do have about the basketball tournament right here, which is as we watch the nerd team beat Happy Valley, this pin, poor Penn State team is down 17-3 to at the end of the first quarter. The only thing that's good about the basketball tournament, TBT, is the, is the ending. I like how they do that. Is the nerd team... Is, are they a bunch of Ivy League kid dudes? That very be well might be. That'd be sick. I, I love that. If, if that. if that's the case, that's awesome. I, and I love that they're going to just destroy this poor Penn State team. Yeah, well, okay. So the best thing I saw was slam ball. Even if you disrespect it, I love it. That's the best thing I saw this so weekend in sports. What's the worst thing you saw this weekend? Slam ball? Stop. <laughs> slam ball in the basketball tournament? I hate you. Both of these? <laughs> oh. It's just, it's dumb. Okay. I'm just going to read you the colleges that our good friends at the nerd team went to. Yale. Yale. Princeton. So it is. Harvard. You've got lots of like a couple Amherst college coaches, a Delaware State and St. Peter's player. Okay. It's just, it's a bunch of nerds with a bunch of random dudes sprinkled in. Do you have to have like a certain IQ level to play on the nerd team? Or did you have to have a certain GPA when you graduated? Like, how's that work? Oh, they're, they're, one of their boosters is an MIT grad. <laughs> okay. Well, all right. That's cool, I guess. Auburn has a TBT team. Yes. We're ready. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is a thing that exists. <laughs> their all-time record is one in three in TBT games. They won a game? Wow. That's uh, what the website says. Uh, what the website and, says. And if you're wondering, uh, Auburn, former Auburn players on that team, Daniel Purifoy, Horace Spencer, LaRon Smith, Malik Dunbar, Tay Waller. Forgot about him. TJ uh, Dunans and Zepp Jasper. They did. They were trying really hard right there at the end to get Zepp, and I think they did get the commitment from him. I just have noticed that the team is getting less Auburn over time. Yeah. You got to win games. Sure. 
gotta win games, I guess. <laughs> I, I'm not gonna watch this. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I tried watching the first few times. It was not worth my time. Well, turn on Slam Ball instead. We'll talk to Jacob Hillman of the Albert Sports Network when we come back. Jacob Goins and Carter Bird on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. We've got 30 more minutes here on the Monday edition of On the Line. He's Carter Bird. I'm Jacob Goins, and we welcome in Jacob Hillman, who is on my side of the slam ball no, he's conversation. Not. He said he yeah, he falls is. in the middle. He says he's not going to watch it because he doesn't care because it's the middle of the summer. Yeah, I, sure. That, <laughs> we're, we're, we're not, we're not going to take any sides here. We're not going to take any shots at a, a, a new league that's revived or whatever. It's just Hey, you want to watch it? Go for it. Not for me. Well, I thought I thought you were better than that, Jacob Hillman. I really did. Thought you were better than that. <laughs> I tried to I tried to orchestrate it when you were coming on the air, but uh, didn't work out. Jacob Hillman of the Albert Sports Network. He joins us every Monday at three thirty. I hope you're doing well, buddy. I know you've uh, been playing a lot of golf, and we're getting closer and closer to football season. Just forty days away now. Yeah, man. It was, it was interesting today. This morning, it felt it wasn't as. Is it crazy to say it wasn't as hot this morning? No, as, I agree. As it has in the last few weeks, man. It felt great this morning, and I don't know that that was just kind of a tiny taste of of the upcoming fall. But you're right; it, it, it's been fun this summer playing a lot of golf, but also getting ready for the football season in a few weeks. Well, Hillman, uh, it's it's exciting that we get to talk to you now as uh, partners in the broadcast world with the uh, signing and announcement that us here at Auburn Network now have uh, the rights to the Auburn Sports Network, when it, and we will be the new home for Auburn University football, men and women's basketball, baseball, and Tiger Talk, uh, the weekly Tiger Talk show. So, uh, Hillman, I, I hope you guys, and I know you are all excited, and we're excited to work with you. Yeah, no, I, I can't wait for this broadcast season to get started up and, and for us to really work together uh, in, in those areas. That you know, it, it's just, it's just great to uh, uh, to be able to work with you guys as as we have some in, in, in recent years, especially me and you guys. But before all to come together like this, it, it's really exciting. Yeah, man. I mean, it's always it's good to bring. Uh you and you and brad on the show i i i I don't get to talk to you guys all that often anymore but uh i mean with that in mind i guess we can dive into uh sec media days last week what did you what did you think about hugh freeze what did you think about uh mcallister cam stutz luke deal what they had to say about this upcoming 2023 season yeah, man, they, they they exceeded expectations. As I, I kind of I kind of thought so, especially with with the players they sent up with with, with Elijah McAllister, Luke Deal, and Cam Stutz. I, we knew what we were going to get out of those guys that that they're that they are they've got great personalities and and, and they really showcased that uh, at SEC Media Days. And I thought, as far as uh, talking fall, uh, I think Coach Freeze did a good job of that. And really, and, you know, it's interesting. I don't want to. Tempering expectations sounds like the wrong way to describe it, but also, you know, explaining that this is a process and that you have to trust that process and make sure that you take it one step at a time and that it's not all coming together in one summer, one off season, so that, you know, there are going to be uh, a speed bumps in the road, but that that's just part of it and that uh, this team is talented and has a chance to do some big things this year, but it might not all come together. Uh, just in this one offseason. Yeah, Hillman, he he asked people, Auburn fans, SEC fans, and really college football to give 
a little patience, right? To have a little patience to wait and, and for it to all come together. I think he's got a plan, and I think Auburn fans can see how that plan is going. But I can't blame the guy for asking Auburn fans to be a little patient. Well, I also think that another major contributor to uh, the fans and, and everyone being patient is something else he talked about is the alignment uh, with the athletic department and everyone that is a part of this program. That includes the fan base. I, I, I do truly think that, uh, that, that we are as aligned as possible, uh, as, especially as, as recent as I've been here. So it, it's really nice to see that just all the way up from President Roberts, to, as he mentioned, down to John Cohen, down to each individual head coach. It, it doesn't just revolve around football. I think the alignment is there throughout the athletic department, uh, whether that's with football or men's basketball or, or whatever sport you name. And I think that there is a, a, a vision and, and a goal in mind for each sport and, and, and team that it's really aligned with, with everyone in the higher-ups. So it, it's really exciting to see that kind of unfold, especially over this last six to eight months. Uh, it, it really has been something to watch. Coming off what I think can kind of be be described as a little bit of a rough patch in Auburn athletics where Auburn didn't have a lot of success against rivals, uh, didn't uh, consistently perform at a high level. Could we see Auburn going into almost like some sort of golden age of Auburn athletics right now? Yeah, I, I, I think I think it's a little too early to, to kind of make that prediction or, or tell, but you're in a perfect spot to do that. I think that that's a fact because look at your, your baseballs and your men's basketballs. Women's basketball is on the rise. Softball has consistently been in the postseason, just trying to make that next step. And, and and as well as a lot of the other sports that don't get that recognition, women's golf, men's golf consistently making the national championship. Uh, the tennises have been ranked high as they've been in the last decade. I think it's across the board. You, you're starting to see that success. It's starting to build up, and, and I don't even think it's it, – it, that, that is what it was. Last year wasn't the best year for Auburn athletics, and that's okay because – it's all about bouncing back and and uh, having the faith that these coaches and these teams, these student athletes, are, are have the ability to do that, as well as uh, uh, really just the initiative and and really you can tell that a lot of these guys are focused and they're ready to get back on the field, on the court, whatever it is, and uh, prove themselves. Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network joining us here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Of course, Auburn Network now, Auburn Opelika's official flagship stations of the Auburn Sports Network for uh, the next five years, beginning with this upcoming football season. You can listen to Auburn University football, men's basketball, and the weekly Tiger Talk Coaches Show over on Wings 94.3, and women's basketball and men's baseball will now be over on AU100. Uh, Hillman, as we get 40 days away from Auburn football last week at media days uh, the media got their ballots they voted and they have Auburn finished sixth in the SEC West do you agree or disagree with that and why yeah I mean I think Auburn has a very good chance to finish higher than that but it's it's one of those things that like Vanderbilt got five first place votes or whatever I mean come on like what are we doing guys and I think that these are expectations set that uh, you don't really look at too deeply. Like I think at the end of the year, you can look at it and say, well, Auburn did exceed expectations if they are to finish higher than six. But also, you know, it depends on what the West looks like. And obviously this is last year we're doing divisions, but I just think that you could have seven really good teams in the West and finishing six is, you know, one of those things that doesn't mean that much because you could 
still grow as a team because I thought last year was one of those years where like Texas A&M and Auburn both just the football teams weren't there and, and they weren't very good. I think this year you have a chance where all seven teams are bowl eligible and, and, and really solid, but you know, something has to finish last. I don't think Auburn is going to finish last, but I certainly think that they could finish anywhere between, you know, maybe third, second place in the West to, to fifth or sixth. It, it's just, it's hard to predict that kind of thing. So in a scenario where Auburn finishes second, they second LSU or Alabama? I or, would or, or I mean, if you want to get really crazy, do you, do you see A&M having that bounce back year that everybody predicts every year that never happens? Uh, not the latter. Uh, I would definitely <laughs> think that. Yeah, right. Right now, I would say LSU. I think is the favorite to 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 win the SEC West. It's just Alabama's just the question marks. I don't think that they're going to fall off dramatically. But you know, you lose one or two games and you you drop several spots in your division standings. That's kind of my point. Is that finishing in a certain place in the West or East? I think it, it, it matters, but also it's about there's no pictures on a division stand. It's like a golf, it's a golf stand. There's no pictures on a scorecard. There's no pictures on a division stand. It's just a record. I think how you get there, I think that makes a big deal as well. And what the record is and going to a bowl game, I think that's kind of what's important for this Auburn team this year. Jacob, this weekend, one of the biggest weekends of the year when it comes to mm-hmm. Auburn football recruiting. Big Cat weekend. Uh, some of the biggest names in the state of Alabama, some of the biggest names in the Southeast are going to be on campus for Big Cat weekend. Uh, what would, in your mind, what would what would a big weekend mean for this Auburn recruiting staff and the whole just football staff in general? What would it mean to make a big splash this weekend, which it, there are some expectations for that to happen? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think the easy answer is obviously to see a few commitments and, and, and not just a few that are that you'll forget about in the next week. I think maybe some major commitments. And, and obviously there's some names that are going to be here that are absolutely huge. And I, I think the most important part is the amount of Auburn commits that are going to be here and, and, and really uh, pushing the envelope on, on the recruiting. And, you know, guys like Walker White, who, uh, it, who's been committed for a while and has shut down his recruitment and he, he's all in on Auburn and, and, and recruiting for the Tigers. So it's hard to really put a gauge on what would be a successful weekend. I, I, I think enough is just a buzz and, and a couple commits and, and you feel pretty good about what happened this week because I also think you still haven't been able to showcase to these recruits a game day atmosphere that mm-hmm. I think is so big for Auburn. And I remember – after the COVID year, that was a big deal. I'm like, all right, fans in the stands, that atmosphere's back. And and obviously, with the recruiting the last few years, it really hasn't – I don't know if it's been emphasized enough. And here we are where I think that it, it, it is it is time to really lock in and, and, and show these guys what it's like in the summer, all right? That's that's great and all. But then when we get into football season, this is what it's like on a game day and, and, and how crazy it is and obviously the numbers of season tickets are through the roof. It's the most that Auburn's ever sold. So you're going to see packed out Jordan Hare each and every week this upcoming season, and I think that's a big deal uh, for this recruiting class. When you look at this 2023 season for Auburn, we know a lot about, of course, Jarquez Hunter. We know that the quarterback is going to be big. We know uh, some of the bigger names. Who is somebody that you may have your eye on as a breakout player on offense and then on the defensive side of the ball? 
I think the easy answer on offense is honestly any of those receivers. I mean, I, I, you could you could pinpoint one, you know, Camden Brown, uh, a tight end, a Rivaldo Fairweather, and, and whatnot. You expect them to have some good seasons, but uh, you know, I, I, I really don't. I, I want to say someone in that receiving room will do that. I don't know who it'll be because you've got a few guys that are returning that I think have a chance. I think Javarius Johnson. He he certainly looks like a guy that, given the right system, right. The right, the right offense that he could really stand out, and obviously, I think uh, Hugh Freeze's offense and system is going to help receivers a lot. Uh, but I think any of the newcomers could potentially be big for Auburn this upcoming year. I mean, Shane Hudson, Jair Shorter—they're both two guys that are that are older, and, and they certainly shown at other schools how good they are. Uh, so I would say someone in the receiver room—hard to pinpoint a name. Uh, I'll, I'll go with Shane Hooks. I think that he has a good year this year, and that, that's just a bigger body that Auburn obviously has has been wanting the last few years, hasn't gotten, and finally does uh, with him and other guys. Uh, and defensively, you know, I look in the DB's room, and I, I don't know how much of a breakout year it would be, but I think Keontae Scott's going to be one of your really solid nickelbacks in the SEC, and, and he can kind of move around and do different things, but I just think that he's going to be one of those glue guys in that defense because we know what the DV room consists of. And I think Keontae Scott can kind of really help even in the run game as well. He's a really good tackler and has made his presence felt in the run game, and I think that can help a more inexperienced front seven. Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network, who joins us every Monday at 3.30 here on On the Line on ESPN 106.7. Again, if you missed our announcement, Auburn Network has secured the rights to serve as Auburn Opelika's official flagship stations of the Auburn Sports Network for the next five years, beginning with the upcoming Auburn University football season. AU football, men's basketball, and weekly Tiger Talk coaches show will be on our sister station, Wings 94.3. That's 94.3 on your radio dial with women's basketball and baseball will now be on AU 100 that's 100.3 on your radio dial so Hillman uh, again we are super excited about it I know you guys are as well we're looking forward to working hand in hand uh, with you guys and getting uh, you Andy and Brad on the stations here at ESPN 1067. Yeah I'm glad I'll be able to continue that and, and continue that expectation and being here every Monday at 3 30. Yeah you're not going we're, anywhere. We're, that, that, that's good to know I needed to hear that for my <laughs> my, my clarity. But no, no, we're one month away from Tiger Talk, guys. That that is exciting news. Wow. August twenty fourth will be our first Tiger Talk, so I'm looking forward to that for sure. Well, let everybody know where they can keep up with you and everything you guys got going on with the Auburn Sports Network, as we are, yeah, a month away from Tiger Talk. Yeah, well, that that is a wild thing. Is Brad always comes in and is like, like, we're getting close, we're getting close. That's right. So we 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 are almost there. Uh, but yeah, follow me on Twitter at Jacob Hillman AU and follow at AU Sports Network on Twitter and Instagram. I guess I guess we're still calling it Twitter. I don't know what we're calling it the next week, but we'll see. It's, it's still, still Twitter. Twitter when I type out the uh, links. It's it's X though, which is weird. So dumb. So dumb. So somebody <laughs> found the font, the letter, the capital that. X that is what this this logo is. Really? So it's yeah, thing. some somebody went to font.com or something and found it. It is. Well, I'll be calling it. I'll be calling to Twitter until until further notice. Yes, you can you can buy the font that the logo is for thirty dollars. Well, hey, that sounds like a good value deal for Elon. That's what I'll say. Yeah, hey, Elon can definitely find himself a deal. That's for sure. Well, well, Hillman again, <laughs> as always, brother. We appreciate you and your time, and we will definitely talk to you next week.
Yeah, thank you guys for Eagle. That is Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network who joins us every Monday as he will continue to do. And uh, the goal is to continue with him and get Andy and Brad and whoever else we can get on in, in our new relationship with the Auburn Sports Network. We'll come right back and wrap up the Monday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Wrapping up the Monday edition of On the Line here on ESPN 1067. We appreciate Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network who has joined us for a long, long time here on On the Line. He he was a guest on this show even before I took over. Uh, we have continued to have him and we will continue to have him uh, with our new partnership with the Auburn Sports Network and, and hoping to get uh, Andy and Brad on the shows more often here on ESPN 106.7. So we appreciate Hillman and his time as always here on Monday afternoon. It's been a great show today. If you missed any of it, uh, be sure to go and catch up with the podcast. You can find it one of two ways. Just search on the line wherever you get your podcast or you can go to ESPNAU.com and you'll find it in our podcast center commercial free right after the show. Uh, my one-on-one interview with head coach Hugh Freeze is on there from this past week at SEC Media Day, so be sure you go and check that out. We talked about uh, a busy weekend or a busy week last week in Nashville. Uh, today here on the show, we've talked a little recruiting as well. Uh, we had our question of the day on a Monday, best and worst things we saw in sports this weekend. Uh, Carter just dumped on my best thing, so you can in- go and enjoy that if you want to. Uh, we talked a little bit about the preseason SEC media poll and how Auburn continues to get disrespected and they are sixth. I uh, do want to mention really quick we did talk about that and so uh, if you want to go and listen to the podcast you can do that ESPNAU.com in those preseason polls really quickly uh, five uh, five Auburn players were voted all SEC preseason teams um, including a lot of third teamers yeah a lot of third teamers yeah but um, they did at least get you know at least they got voted right at least they were getting a little bit of uh, respect and I have the article pulled up and now I can't now I can't find it so if you have the list, help me out. But um, five of them were voted to uh, SEC all preseason teams. You had, of course, Auburn getting uh, voted sixth in um, uh, to finish to finish in the West, which I just I just disagree with, man. I really do. Auburn sixth is just disrespectful. I just don't think they're going to visit or finish uh, below Ole Miss. I don't think they finished below Texas A and M. I really don't in the SEC West. Yeah, um, I'm still. I've broken out in many a uh, private argument about Ole Miss being the most overhyped team in the SEC this year. I just I'm still on that. I'm still on that take. Like I, I see people predicting nine and three and stuff. Auburn will finish with a better record than Ole Miss. I I promise that. Mm. I, it, like and I like so that. Yeah, Auburn's gonna finish with a better record than Ole Miss, Arkansas, Mississippi State. Mississippi State's gonna come in last. In the, in the West, I just don't see I don't see the path. I don't see the path, and 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 this is there is a scenario that this Ole Miss season could get really ugly because we we were talking about it earlier. I think it was during a break. They've gone from the thirty sixth uh, the thirty sixth schedule in America last in the conference last year, where they went eight and five and were a bad team masquerading as a good team for the first seven weeks. Um, then they go one and five down the stretch. 
right now, hardest schedule in America. And and I don't think I don't think they're going to manage it well. I found my list, by the way. My computer had a, a spaz attack, but we have a backup. The five guys that were voted um, All-SEC on one of the preseason All-SEC teams for Auburn, uh, they were all on the third team, so take that for what you will. Jarquez Hunter was voted on third team. Uh, for the running backs, you had DJ James on third team. Nehemiah Pritchett on third team. Oscar Chapman voted on third team. I think he's better than that. I really do. I think Oscar Chapman's one of the best punters in the country. Uh, Alex McPherson, third team on kickers. Uh, Looking forward to him uh, kicking the ball for Auburn this year. I think he's going to be nothing against what Auburn has had, but I think he's going to bring that life back to the kicker spot for Auburn and the confidence in the kicker spot. So um, there you go. There was your list of of guys that got voted uh, third team all preseason SEC. I tell you what is disrespectful is DJ James 100% DJ James third team that is garbage I think Jarquez is disrespectful I think I I preach it is too I think Jarquez finishes the season I think Jarquez is the first back on the second team. I think DJ James finishes the season as as first team. No doubt. And I ne- think Nehemiah, Nehemiah I think could finish second, second team. team. Yeah, I think so too. And I think McPherson could be and Auburn, first or second team. Auburn special team guys, I think both go first team. I agree. I agree. Hey, the Monday edition of On the Line in the books until tomorrow, 2 to 4, right here on ESPN 1067. Stay safe. I'll talk to you later.